Welcome to Connecting the Resilient. My name is Andrew Mangan. I started this podcast when I came back from recovering from my own injury where I broke my neck. I started the podcast to connect people like myself and others who have gone through this injury with people who are suffering this injury. In Connecting the Resilient, I interview researchers, physical therapists, other people who have gone through the injury, and more. For more information, please visit our website at www.connectingtheresilient.com or shoot me an email at admangan2018 at gmail.com with suggestions for future episodes. As always, we appreciate when you like and subscribe or review the podcast. It helps. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is your host, Andrew Mangan, on the 13th episode of Connecting the Resilient. Um, First off, I would like to apologize for the very long gap uh, since the last episode. I've been working on a book, and it has pretty much monopolized all my time, so I apologize, and I will try to get back on schedule. However, the episode I'm bringing you today is really, really quite fascinating. It's a conversation I had with uh, Ira Pastor a couple weeks ago. He's the CEO of BioQuarks, and what they're doing over BioQuarks is looking at other biological species at how they regenerate their central nervous systems and their organs. And it's, it's really just fascinating work and is super promising for our field for the spinal cord injury community, as well as just fields across the spectrum. So I really, really hope you enjoy this, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy the episode. I'm here with uh, Ira Pastor. Ira, thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, and so Ira is the um, CEO of BioQuarks. And could you just um, briefly kind of give us a little background on how you got involved in that and that what and what you guys what you guys do over there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm a sort of 30-year um, veteran of the traditional pharmaceutical industry. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pharmacist by undergraduate training that went to business school um, and spent most of my time in one facet or another of this particular uh, healthcare space. Um, but one of the things that sort of you know, always bothered me was that uh, as interesting and as exciting as the place the pharmaceutical industry was, and as the, you know, even though we were generating about a trillion dollars a year, we were really having a major problem with the the big issues, <laughs> the, the 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 more complex diseases. Um, we were very good at making treatments and things that stopped pain and lowered cholesterol and blood pressure and things like that. But when it came to the bigger problems, when we talk about things like complex regeneration, um, we really weren't there yet. And so I wanted to, at this part of my career, sort of the second time around, really take what I knew um, and see how we could go about addressing the the bigger issues. So we call them in, you know, in the company the three R's. So regeneration, uh, reversion of disease states, so actually curing a disease as opposed to just treating it, and, and ultimately rejuvenation of, of aging tissues. And these are 
things that are clearly a um, little more complex than just what one might think of, you know, uh, you know, taking a, a little white pill uh, in a bottle from your local, you know, CVS or Rite Aid. Um, we need a sort of a new level of thinking behind what sort of interventions are going to be in the future. Um, and that's sort of what BioQuark's goal is all about, is sort of the next generation of these tools for uh, accomplishing things that are, you know, might seem somewhat science fiction today, but um, really would pose answers to many of the problems that um, we have in terms of degeneration and suffering and death from the chronic degenerative diseases and acute ones too. Gotcha, gotcha. And so you talked about, um, and I, I brought up about how a lot of what you're doing is that one of the R's is regeneration. And so kind of where does the, what is the inspiration from that come um, and how do you, I guess, go about uh, like trying to isolate that and replicate that. Absolutely. So, yeah, regeneration is clearly one of the big R's we're focused on. The, the inspiration uh, basically comes from nature uh, in the fact that, you know, we live on this planet currently with many organisms that from a, um, a health, wellness, disease perspective are just so further advanced than we are. Uh, you know, obviously many in the audience will be quite familiar with the fact that uh, the amphibian kingdom, salamanders, newts, and so forth, uh, many of its members can replace lost or damaged organs and tissues uh, that are identical. Uh, in both structure and function uh, to the original ones. Um, they are capable of effortlessly regenerating uh, spinal cords, um, limbs, uh, heart, eyeballs, uh, even the large segments of their brains. Um, obviously, you know, while we do possess as humans some minor regenerative capability in the, uh, the tissues that, that turn over quite frequently, like our blood and our skin, uh, and we do have a rather robust wound healing response. When it comes to sort of these more complex forms of regeneration that we see in nature, uh, evolutionarily, um, we waved goodbye to them, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago. Yet we like to study, um, for instance, what the newt, what the salamander is so good at doing and how we could potentially with the tools of biology, with biotechnology, mimic uh, some of those abilities in humans and sort of bridge the gap between, you know, the uh, this complex rapid regeneration that works perfectly throughout the lifetime and typically what we experience as humans, which is, you know, rapid scar tissue formation, which gives us things that are non-functional uh, in nature. So ultimately, the goal is reaching out once again, studying nature, the sort of the second time around, and studying these complex ways that uh, organisms accomplish this type of event, and then think, okay, how biologically, whether it's the use of cell products, or whether it's the use of biologics, proteins, peptides, microRNAs, other tools that are available to us, how we can uh, finally recapture some of those abilities in humans to deal with um, the loss of the major tissues that we experience, uh, which do not come back. And so that is, you know, that is really core uh, to what we've been up to. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, I mean, I know just that's like, obviously just such a huge goal um, for people in the spinal cord community, because that's 
ultimately the reason that uh, these injuries are so debilitating is just because the our CNS doesn't regenerate uh, as of now. So once it's injured, it's it kind of high and dry. And so I'm I'm curious how um, and obviously uh, you don't have all the answers yet, but how do you go about or how are you guys thinking or looking into going about kind of isolating like the regenerative properties of some of the amphibious species, uh, like you mentioned, the newt and mm -hmm. replicating those, like, would that be um, isolating like on a cellular level or is it, I guess, is it something else? Well, no, great question. So we study, um, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time studying what goes on in say the sal salamander spinal cord. Uh, we look at all the events and, and, just as a, a little background, when that spinal cord is severed, um, many things happen. Um, so uh, the salamander's uh, remaining tissue uh, in that spinal cord will de-differentiate uh, to an earlier stage from sort of before the, the spinal cord was fully created uh, and spin those cells back in time to an earlier developmental-like state. It will also secrete certain components that gets rid of dead tissue, uh, dead extracellular matrix, uh, to clear that out of the way. Um, and then it also activates a component of its immune system, uh, which is very important uh, in the early regenerative process. Uh, you know, the immune system, you know, is sort of one of these double-edged swords where, you know, too much activation is not good. Uh, but there are certain growth factors and cytokines and other materials that are very advantageous in the early components of regeneration. So we study these three areas and we sit back, we think, how can we recapitulate this uh, with biologic substances? And the one place we find a similar proxy uh, in humans uh, is in very early development in the egg when we are first formed. Uh, it is this area of our development as humans where we do see some of these abilities remain. I mean, that is um, the reason why when we are first created that uh, you know, we are turned back in time in essence to age zero, our genome is cleaned up, and all of the biofactors responsible for creating a new baby, you know, two arms, two legs, ten toes and fingers and so forth, are, are there to guide things forward. So we are looking at all parts of that continuum. Basically, what materials are needed to clean up and turn back time in the cells that remain in that severed spinal cord. Uh, we are also studying the biofactors that are responsible for clearing out the scar tissue. We know you, this is one of the sort of the overlooked, the underlooked areas in, in many ways. Uh, you know, if you have scar tissue there, um, neurons can't reconnect no matter how many you know, neurons you try to grow. And so one thing the amphibians are so very good at is transdifferentiating, turning that scar tissue even back into healthy tissue. Uh, and lastly is this ability to stimulate the appropriate level of a, an inflammatory response to stimulate the positive side of the sort of the growth uh, and cell migration cascade. So we are interested in all three components of this process and developing, in our particular case, uh, we find them in biologic materials, so proteins, peptides, and microRNAs. We're, we're not doing any synthetic chemical work here. We're not doing any genetic engineering. And you know, people ask sometimes, well, you know, 
why can't you genetically engineer, uh, you know, the, the traits of this, the salamander spinal cord or whatever. And we say, no, that's, that's not the, probably the most efficient yeah. way to go just because a lot of, interestingly enough, a lot of the genes that are active when you are growing the spinal cord in the first place or regenerating one are actually somewhat related to cancer. So we have to be very careful on what genes we turn on and off. So from the biologics perspective, we think this is a much safer and uh, approach and one that, you know, from a pharmaceutical industry perspective, you know, there's a regulatory system around already. So we're not doing anything extremely you now complex that, you know, some of these price tags for the genetic engineering tools nowadays, you know, a million, two million dollars a pop. So we're, we're not talking about that type of stuff. So in essence, uh, those three components of the regeneration and repair continuum of what we've been studying, um, and, and it's been quite exciting because not only have we been conducting spinal cord injury-related models, uh, but we also have quite a bit of work going on in the uh, in, in the higher central nervous system as well in terms of traumatic brain injury lesions, uh, Parkinson's disease, and so forth. So it's it's kind of nice that sort of there is a uh, a universal um, sort of regenerative model uh, that we see in the regenerative organisms that we can apply to a range of, of CNS disorders in humans. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's really uh, very interesting. And so I'm, I guess I'm a little confused or not confused, but so would, do, are you guys were looking at kind of, because um, you talked about, like regressing back to the the previous um, like cellular state so that they can uh, rebuild like they once did. So are you looking at um, stem cells in that nature and trying to, um, are you looking at implanting or are you, or, I mean, you, you, we, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. We, we got our start as a stem cell company um, and using these technologies originally just, you know, how to reprogram cells in a Petri dish. But what we found out, you know, early on in our program was that um, for some of these cases where you have, you know, you know, we're not talking about, for instance, a missing arm where there's nothing present there. But when you do have cellular materials present, we found that it was probably more efficient not to think of it as a, as a stem cell project, but purely as a biologic approach, whereby there is tissue. Uh, and if we can focus on, you know, not pumping you full of stem cells, but instead of taking the tissue that's there and once again, transdifferentiating it, turning it back into what it should be, um, it's a cleaner approach and much more amenable to sort of traditional sort of drug delivery. Um, stem cells themselves, you know, which have been held up as sort of a holy grail in this area, have their limitations just because, you know, while, as mentioned, while they're great for growing tissue, at the end of the day, what's much more important in our perspective is not just the cells, but the correct signaling in the environment that says, you know, a spinal cord has to go here. Um, there has to be certain connections that are made. It has to be a certain size and shape. Um, and all of that doesn't come from the cells. It comes from the microenvironment um, that they are placed in. Uh, and that is, you know, what, and you know, unfortunately going back, that is what the salamander is so good at. Uh, the, the full package of regeneration and the signaling that says what must form based mm -hmm. on 
the tissue that is there and the tissue that remains. Um, and it's one of these things that we've sort of known about for a long time because, you know, we've studied this form of regeneration for decades now. Um, you know, this very, what is known as sort of intercalary type of regeneration where, you know, if, if there is a severing uh, or a lesion at 0.5 on your spinal cord, um, the spinal cord and the signaling knows that, okay, we will start now here at point four to replace what's missing in that particular order. Um, it's, it's a beautiful facet of nature and how this sort of positional memory uh, and tissue memory uh, is demonstrated in, in the regenerators. Uh, this is what we are trying to uh, ultimately realize in humans. Stem cells are wonderful. and We do work with stem cells as well. Uh, in different programs, uh, but it is really the the complete package of not just growing more cells or putting more cells in, but having the full signaling environment that says that there needs to be something here that is of the right structure, size, and function. Uh, and this is why we you know we we refer to this in sort of the way we talk about things as sort of a combinatorial approach, uh, where sort of the traditional thinking um, of, of the pharmaceutical industry where it's very, you know, we want single sort of magic bullets that do one thing really don't apply when it comes to more complex needs like regeneration of, of a spinal cord. There's just so much yeah. going on. Uh, a single drug is, doesn't get this done. Yeah. And you talked about how the, uh, like one of the um, key components of like salamander regeneration is the, the whole um, like microcosm you put that's around the spinal cord. And I know uh, with, with humans, at least like they try to, um, uh, they try to take the brain uh, neurons, which are very, a uh, lot of plasticity and put them into the spinal cord, but it's just the environment automatically kind of makes them less flat, less um, makes them have less plasticity. And are you guys kind of looking at how, like, how would you go about, ultimately altering kind of the whole um, like environment that this, that our spinal cord is in. Is, is that something you're looking into as well? Yeah, you're pointing out the fact of um, what's known as morphostasis. So um, the, the fact that and while it's horrible to us, um, the body in its, you know, the human body in its current form, uh, say following a lesion where, you know, there's non-functional tissue and scar tissue. Um, it creates this new state um, where it is, you know, satisfied in the sense that uh, it stopped you from bleeding and and so forth and so on. Um, and this, what is known as sort of this morphostatic condition, while it keeps you, you know, it has certain benefits. It is antithetical to regeneration. So what we are yeah, I mean, this is a key, key point of how we transition a tissue microenvironment from one of morphostasis to one of morphogenesis. Mm -hmm. um, that is the difference. Um, in a morphostatic environment, you have, you know, all sorts of things swirling around. You have scar tissue that is actively, you know, scar tissue is alive. It does, it's doing its thing and it's, uh, you know, it wants to be scar tissue. Uh, it is also, you know, there's an actively inflammatory microenvironment that is, does not benefit um, uh, regeneration. Uh, there is also issues with regard to the, um, not to get too, too, too scientific, but there are um, a variety of 
uh, cytokines and, and other molecules known as semaphorins that uh, normally uh, dictate uh, reconnection and, and sort of growth and growth cones of, of, um, of neurons, which are uh, shut off. So uh, yeah, there's quite a bit going on that is negative to whatever you want to put in there. Um, and that's why, you know, sort of the concept of, you know, just putting it as wonderful as stem cell technology might be, um, the environment always trumps the cell. <laughs> sort of the greater, the, the hierarchy, we have these hierarchies in biology, uh, the hierarchy of the tissue always trumps that of the cell. And, you know, while the cell might want to do one thing, uh, at the tissue level, you have all sorts of other dynamics. You have membrane potentials, you have forces of mechanotransduction, uh, you have shear stresses. You have a lot going on that, um, unfortunately, uh, with left alone, yeah, cells don't get the right signaling, they don't know what they become, and for the most part, they do not engraft and die. So yes, our whole mission is, in essence, biologically controlling that microenvironment, turning the genes on that we need, and the ones we don't need. So we have that morphogenic microenvironment uh, reestablished to reconnect and regenerate um, and, and, and do it in a, um, in a very you know, controllable uh, fashion. Uh, so, you know, we, we don't dump in genes, uh, genetically engineered for uncontrollable regeneration because you know, that, that leads to other problems. So that's why we're working with biologics that we're not focusing on, you know, upregulating the genes, but um, biologics that can slowly, in a controlled manner, turn genes on and off, upregulate, downregulate, for specifically what we want to happen in that spinal cord, uh, in that heart, in the brain. So, um, yes, uh, sorry, start with a long answer there, but that is key in being able to reestablish a, an actively morphogenic microenvironment in an adult human, uh, where normally it is only seen in uh, a developing fetus or an embryo. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I've, I've got to ask how, I mean, how are you, how is it coming? Cause I know like for our listeners, it's um, like the whole idea of the up generation being able to um, switch to a morphogenesis um, stage is, just kind of always been like a, a pipe dream, I think, for a lot of people with spinal cord injuries, like they hear of the talk, but um, not really any uh, proof. And so, like, what are your thoughts on, like, do you think this is a 10-year, 15-year, 50-year um, sort of goal, I guess? Um, no, no, we... Um... Well, I mean, now let's split. Let's splitting our splitting of our our company for a second. So we're a U.S. based company. We have a U.S. program. Uh, the U.S. program, uh, in terms of clinical experience, uh, is not scheduled to come online for three years. Uh, but at the same time, we are very active in partnerships with uh, other groups around the world. And just this is you know the nature of the world in 2018, where you have sort of um, uh, sort of quite a bit of globalization of research and medical training. And, you know, if we're not looking in other areas like Japan or the Middle East or Latin America, we're not doing our job right. So we have slowly uh, begun some initial first in human work uh, in Southeast Asia, and things are quite exciting over there um, where we are beginning to see um, very nice um, 
transition uh, in terms of motor improvement um, in the Asia scores, uh, bladder control, uh, myelomalactic uh, changes to the uh, the distal to the cord. So we uh, it's very early, um, but we have initiated some sort of phase one style first in human work abroad uh, with partners. So um, we're quite excited by what we see. Uh, we don't have large data sets yet, so we're not yet uh, publishing, but um, this is not a 50-year project. Um, and due to the very nature of, you know, as I was mentioning, uh, keeping this biologic-oriented, so using 20th century tools, but thinking about, you know, with a, sort of a 21st century thought process, uh, we think from a regulatory angle, uh, whether it's in the U.S. or in any other country, it's going to be a much smoother ride uh, into the clinic and through the clinic than with, let's just say, more exotic uh, technologies. So we're kind of excited at this point uh, yeah. with what we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's very good to hear. So that was my next question, whether you um, were just working on animals or if you transitioned to humans. Um, so that's super, super cool. And how would... Um, how would, because I know a lot of um, a lot of people with spinal cord injuries are always curious to get involved with with these studies. Um, and how would you recommend uh, for some of our listeners or somebody with a spinal cord injury or or any injury that it's relevant to kind of your work get involved? Um, re reach out to our website. I mean, we have um, you know a bit of information out there on everything we're doing you can contact us directly through the site and you know while we you know we can't recommend anything in the u.s right now just because we're still a couple of years out here we can definitely put people in touch with with some of the the medical groups that we're uh doing clinical work with now and um and let let that go uh from there but um yeah we think it's a we we are you know, and not, you know, obviously I'm, I'm an ex-pharma industry guy in many ways. Um, I don't sort of view what I'm doing as big pharma. And, you know, our industry has sort of always been seen as promising things that are decades away. But this is a very exciting time. Uh, I just want to sort of reiterate that, you know, not just for our company, but for lots of things that are going on, that we are really at a, um, a unique point in time, I think, with regard to uh, what can be potentially happening here, and it's not you know not just from the the traditional uh, perspective, but you see just so much interesting flexibility uh, showing up around the world now in in various countries with in terms of the regenerative medicine thinking. You know things like Japan with their conditional approval process and so forth. So um, next couple of years are going to be very exciting, um, and everyone should really be keeping their eye on what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely will be. Um, yeah, it's super awesome work what you're doing. Um, and so thank you very much for, for sharing with us. I know it's, uh, it'll be super interesting. A lot of the, a lot of the listeners be really keen to hear about it. Um, so yeah, thank you again for coming on and telling us about the work and best of luck. I hope to, hope to read about you in the paper in the uh, next couple of years. I really appreciate having me on.
That was Ira Pastor speaking about his company BioQuarks. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating conversation. And if you ever have information or suggestions for future podcasts, please feel free to email me at admangan2018 at gmail.com. For more information, visit our website at www.connectingtheresilient.com. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and like. Have a great week.